you for the next few moments simply on the glory. The glory of God. And I've done touched on a lot of it this morning. So I only want to speak what God wants spoken. That you receive that. Hey, God, chapter 2 is where I'll be reading. And I'll read not all of Hey, God, 2. I thought I was. But I'll be reading from 1 to verse 9. Hey, God, chapter 2, 1 through nine and it says in the seventh month on the 21st of the month the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying speak now to Zerubbabel the son of Shelitel governor of Judah and to Joshua and the son of Jehozadak the high priest and I'll stop right there give you Haggai's a little, little book in the Old Testament it's not very long, two chapters. If you're looking for it, it can be troublesome to find. So it says that it starts off. I'll pick up with verse number three. Or in the verse two, Zerubbabel the son of Shalot, the governor of Judah, to the Joshua the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, who is left among you? Who saw this temple in its former glory, and how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, says the Lord, and work. I'm going to stop right there. A lot of times we, a lot of the old saints or the people are probably familiar with this chapter and it's just the next part that every preacher wants to preach and every preacher wants to get to about the glory of the Lord being greater now than it was then. But the fact of the matter is, is he is calling all of these people. He is calling, speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shelech, Shalitle, the governor of Judah, and Joshua, and the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the remnant of the people. He's talking to every single one of them. Not just the leadership, not just the governor, not just the priest, but he's also talking to the people here. And he's telling them, who is left among you that had seen the temple in the former glory? So Haggai is also mentioned because he's a part of the rebuilding of the temple in Ezra. He is mentioned here in his little short time of prophetic moment. Here he, it only lasts, he's only in the picture about four months here. That is it. And as I was studying this, the Lord said that's how quick it's coming. Haggai was not a long prophet like Jeremiah. He was not somebody who was in their lot. It's just two chapters here, and these two chapters cover about four months. It is quick. It is, it is happening. He wants the temple rebuilt. God wants the temple rebuilt so his glory can dwell there because it has been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar who took the Judah into captivity. 
So they have been in captivity for 70 years. And these are the first people that get to come back to their homeland that, that are released. And as they get there, they see all the destruction that happened. The temple has been destroyed and everything. And God sends a word by this prophet. A quick four months is all. And I believe that's what he's saying to the people right now. I want to pour out my glory because the end is so near. So if we back up to Haggai chapter 1, though, before I read any more of chapter 2, it says in the second year of King Darius, and he was the one that lifted the decree for them to start being able to rebuild. On the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by. You can notice in both of these chapters, it comes with a time, a specific time that is mentioned here. Can I tell you, we are in a specific time right now in the last days of the last days. I believe we are in a time that God, like I say, he is trying to pour out his presence, but it will only be for the people who are seeking after him. He's tired of playing games. He's tired of waiting around. You say, God ain't like that. Well, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are in the moment of time of grace. Because if we were still in the Old Testament, I believe God would look down and say, I just want to wipe them off the face of the earth. Do away with them. I'll, I'll make another people who will seek after me and turn to me and, be, and I will be their God. That's all he ever wanted was people to seek him and the relationship with him and be the God in their life that he intended on being. But now we're in the moment of grace that Jesus stepped in. And that grace moment could end at any moment when he steps out on a cloud to call us all home. It could end, the Bible says, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be caught up. We'll be out of here. So right now, I believe he's saying, listen, I'm tired of playing around. I'm tired of playing in, in churches. I'm tired of churches playing with me. I'm seeking that Jacob generation that is just here to seek my face where I can pour out the ladder on this, this body of this time of these people who are seeking me. That is what he is after. It's a specific time. Chapter 1, it says, Hey, God, the prophet... To Zerubbabel, the son of the governor of Judah, Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people, this people says, this time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. They are released to go back into their homeland. They get comfortable. And they're saying, this is not the time. For the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. This is not that time. And I believe there's a lot of people if we have seen it, that, that have, I don't know, a lot of people say that they believe we're in the last days, but they sure ain't living like it. They sure ain't believing it through the way they're acting and they're living because their Christianity and how they're living is like they're, fly by the seat of their pants but if we knew and if we experienced its glory it would reveal those things to us so this people says this time has not come the time of the Lord, Lord's house should be built 
Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet saying, It is time. It is time. It's time for the house to be rebuilt. It's time for you to pick up the stones and pick up the hammers and pick up the things and start to work on the temple of the Lord again. Where is that temple now? It is in you. You are the temple of the Lord. The Bible says, do you not know that you are temple? A lot of people don't know because they allow everything in the world and everything, their eyes, the eyes is the window to the soul. That means the inner part of your temple. You allow everything and this world to come through the eyes and the ears and the lenses that defiles the temple of the Lord. Do you not know that your body is the temple? It is time for you to rebuild the temple. He said, it is time. Tell the people, it is time for yourselves to dwell. It is time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins. Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He said, is it all right for you to be standing and living in your paneled houses? You think it was easy for them to build a stone house back then. But it was, took a lot of work and a lot of effort to build a paneled house. So what had they been doing with their time? They had been taking their time instead of rebuilding the temple and building lavish houses, going to get the panel, going to cut the wood and make it look all good and fancy on the side. They had got caught up in their own lives and what they wanted. He said, consider your ways. This morning, consider your ways. He says, have you so much and bring in little? Have you eat? But do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And who and he who earns wages earn wages to put into a bag with holes. What he's saying is you're doing all these things. And you're sowing, but you're reaping little. He's saying you're eating, but you really don't have enough. He's saying you're drinking, but you're not filled. He's saying you're clothed, but you're still warm. He's saying you go out and you earn wages, but it's like putting them in a hole, a bag with a hole in it. It just goes out. Is any, am I talking to anybody right now? Seems like you just can't get ahead. Seems like all the money you make, it just goes through a hole and goes right out the bottom. It seems like you, you, you clothe yourself, but you're not warm. You drink, you eat, but you're all, never full. You're always something there. That's what he's saying. He said, listen, you've come back. Darius released you to rebuild the temple and go back to your homelands. He released that, but the people are still scared to touch the temple because of what happened before, and they want to see their lives back the way it used to be, so they go build these lavish houses, and everything is on that, and God's telling them, listen, you can do all that but you're still wanting. Basically, that's what that, that, that little section there, you're still wanting. You're doing all this, but you're still wanting. There's a lot of us in that, in that category, in that boat. Yeah, you got released from the bondage of sin. He, the devil, God, Jesus paid that price, that debt on the cross, and released you out of the bondage of sin, but now you are caught up 
and lavishness and things that you want and how you want to do it. And it seems like you're never complete. You're never filled. You're never everything you do. It seems like there's always more and you always want more. You always need more. Consider your ways then. Consider what you are doing and how you're spending your, your time, how you're spending your energy, how you're spending your money. Because like I said before, if you want to know where your God is, look on your calendar and look in your checkbook. Where does all your time go and where does all your money go? And I'll show you who you really serve. Consider your ways. He says in verse 7, chapter 1, Thus saith the Lord, consider your ways. He tells them again, Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins while everyone of you runs to his own house. Why can't you get ahead? Why can't you? Because you have neglected the temple of God. You're running to your own house instead of running to his house that he may be glorified. He said, so I just blow it away, says the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of your when every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you will withhold its dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, and whatever the ground brings forth on men and livestock and all that labor of your hands. He said, I withheld withheld all this. You can't have a harvest without rain. So I'm withholding the rain because my house is still in ruins. Consider your ways. The only way we get the glory back in the temple, and when I say the temple, I'm talking about your life. This, this is a sanctuary, but if we all have the glory in us when we walk through those doors, then there's no other option but for this place to be filled with the glory of God. So the glory lives within you, not in a temple anymore like it did. Jesus, when he died on the cross and he cried out, it is finished. And the Bible says the earth shake, a great quaking, and the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. That was the opportunity. That was the time that he said, listen, you are the temple. You have direct access to my presence. I don't dwell in a, in a, in a man-made temple. I don't dwell on, on the ark anymore. I don't dwell in those places. But do you not know that I dwell in you now because you are the tabernacle of the Lord consider your ways said I withheld all this stuff I just blew it away because my house lies in ruins so a lot of people don't want to preach this in chapter 1 before you get to chapter 2 where the glory of God is poured out because there's a sacrifice there's a commitment there that you've got to make to receive the glory of God and in every situation that is the case to receive the glory and presence of God, there's a commitment and a sacrifice that has to happen in your life. There's that place beside him as Moses. He told Mo Moses in the clefts. A lot of us don't want to go to that place. Chapter, verse 13, it says, Then Haggai the Lord's messenger spoke the Lord's message to the people. He told them, 
saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shelitiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, and the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day, the sixth month, in the second year of King Darius. He stirred up the spirit. Lord, stir us once more with the attitude and the posture of your glory to receive what you have for us in our lives. Because without, the, without God's presence, there is no conviction. You wonder why people can live the way they want to live and act the way they want to act and still cause call themselves Christians is because the glory of the Lord, the presence of God has departed out of the temple. It looks like a temple. It acts like a temple. It smells like a temple. But on the inside, just as Jesus told the, the Pharisees, it's just a vast, just dry bones, empty man's dead bones. And we wonder why you're not convicted because the presence and the power of God is not in there. Conf generation that is confused. It's simple. If the word says it's wrong, it's wrong. If the Bible says it's sin, it's sin. There's no in-between. There's no, there's no saying it's okay. It's not okay. Sin is sin, point blank. That is it. You can call your evil good, but it's, it's going to be evil in the end. You can whitewash the outside of your tomb, but on the, in the inside it's still full of bones. You can clean the outside of the glass and the outside of the cup, but on the inside it's still dirty. You can do all the things that you want to do, but in the end sin is sin, and sin corrupts your life and will lead you to hell. So my prayer is that the glory of God is in here so powerful that if that sin is in your life, it reveals it to you. And you cry out to God as Isaiah did, I am a man of unclean lips, I am unclean father. Forgive me from all this. Sin is sin. You, can't, you can put a bow tie on it, you can wrap it up and make it look pretty. But sin is sin. Consider your ways. You can twist it and turn it to whatever you want to believe and, and think about it, and you know you're wrong. You're just saying it so you don't feel so bad about yourself. Consider your ways. Lord, help me. So before they ever get to chapter 2, he stirs them up and tells them, listen, you've got to lay all the things down you think that are important and start working again on my house. And so when the moment you can, when the moment you lay those things down and start working on him, he will stir up in you a desire, a passion to seek after him and to work for him. And we see that in chapter 2. He goes through there and all the way down and he asks them who is left. And he's speaking to everybody, not just the priest or the preacher. I'm not just speaking to you. I'm speaking to myself this morning. He's speaking to everybody. 
Verse 4 says, Yet now be strong, as our Bible says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Be strong, all the people of the land, says the Lord, and work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And work. That's a dirty word. Lord, help me this morning. Lord, put this in my spirit early this morning. And I told my wife this on the way to church. I said, for some reason, God has put this in my spirit. And it goes right, right along with the, with the word work here. If you can't be faithful to the body of Christ, how are you going to be, be faithful to him? So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying it's easy to come to church. All you got to do is get dressed. A lot of, Pastor, you don't want to know what I go through. It's easy for you to come to church. It's easy for you to, to be a, a servant or helping the kids' ministry, the nursery, the youth, whatever. That's easy. But if you can't commit to that, something that just requires you an hour out of your week to be committed to, if you can't commit to that, how are you committed to serving him? Yeah, that's unpopular. Lord, help me. Buckle your seatbelt. I'm coming down your road. We've had a lot of people that's come to us and said, I'll do anything you want to me and Lori. And then when we put their name on the list, mm, our servanthood of 40 people all of a sudden turns to servanthood of 5 or 10. If you can't be committed in the small things, how do you live a life that's committed to him in every day that says deny yourself and follow after me? You tell me how you live your life. Do you live it like you do in servanthood to the church or the body of Christ? Because if you do, you... If you live it like you do to the body of Christ, then I doubt you're, when, when something comes that requires your attention or time a little more, you turn your back on God. He said, and work, and work, and work, and work. If you think salvation was the end of it, you're wrong. Salvation was only the beginning of the work. Yeah, it's quiet. Work, I am with you, says the Lord, according to the word that I, that I covenanted with the, you in. Came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So don't fear. In your work, don't worry about it. Just work. Just work for the Lord. Just work for Him. And don't worry about anything else. Don't fear nothing else. The Bible said, He tells them, don't fear the person who can just destroy the body. 
But you better fear the one who can destroy the body and soul and spirit. That's who you, and who is that? That's Jesus. He's the one when you stand before at the great, great white throne of judgment. He'll be the one that says, depart from me. I never, Not the devil, not the works of this world, not what you're leaning to right now, not what you're building on right now. That's not going to get you anywhere. It's not the works of the flesh, but it's the works of the spirit. Verse 8, for thus says the Lord of hosts, after he tells them all this, you've got to be working. You've got to lay down these things that you've been thought was important. Yes, God wants you to have your homes. Yes, God wants you to have things. And but, but We get this so... The scripture, seek me first and I'll add all these things unto you. Yes. The scripture says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Yes. Well, let me tell you something. If you're seeking after God, your desires are going to be different. A lot of people use that. Give me the desires of my heart. Lord, I desire a 35-foot boat with trips. 350 Yamahas on the back. I desire a big brand new Duramax truck. I desire a house that is 5,000 square feet with a swimming pool. Well, let me tell you, honey, them desires are fleshly desires. And that's not what the Bible is talking about when he says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Because when you start seeking after him and you start rebuilding the temple on the inside, your desires start to change. Your desires become, God, how can I be a servant to you? God, what can I do for you today? How can I help you today? Your desires come, Lord, make me decrease that you can increase. Lord, make me become low so that you can lift me up. God, make me not myself, but let me be in you. That's the desires he's talking about. I give you the desires of, the, of your heart, the desires to hide you in a cliff. The desires that you want to find a place beside me that he has for you. The desires to, to, to be in the presence of his glory. He says, that's the desires I'll fill in you. It's those desires. So, will I take care of you? Yes, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging for bread. Well, I give you the things I know. He said, I know what you needed before you ever even asked. I know you need clothes. I know you need shelter. I know you need those. But don't let those things become your God. Don't let those things become your desires. Don't let 25 pair of tennis shoes become your desires. Where'd that come from? Well, I know people who love shoes. And it just popped in there. So I said it. For thus saith the Lord of hosts once more, it is a little while I will shake heaven and earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall become to the and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with the glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, he says. He says, the gold is mine. He said, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Philip, if you want to come try to find me a stopping place. So what he's saying in, in chapter 1, they come back from being 
exiled. And they get there. Their eyes immediately go to their homes. Their eyes immediately go to how can I make this life better. Their eyes immediately go to their vineyards that have been left 70 years unintended and not pruned and cut. And the rubble that is sitting there. And they start work. And their eyes never turn to the temple. That is where the presence and glory of God is. There's one thing the devil is good at. It is making you turn your eyes to the things of this world. And getting you so caught up in it that you're busy. You're working. And what you're building, yeah, it's great. But you're so caught up in making it the perfect little home, making it the perfect vineyard, working in it to produce all its, the grapes and the wine that you need and the oil that you need. And while the whole time God is saying, but your temple is laying in ruins. And all that you're doing, I could bless it so much more. But I'm withholding the rain, so your harvest only gives a little increase, so you're still hungry. I'm withholding the, the rain on your vineyard, so your grapes do come in, but it's just a little bit and you're still thirsty. I'm withholding the oil on your life, the anointing. Yeah, you, you've still got, I'm blessing you a little bit, but there's so much more because my presence, my temple lays in ruins. I'm withholding things from you until you get your priorities in line. So if we want to see the glory of the Lord, myself included, there's still some priorities. There's still some things that I have to work on to get in line and get in line and work. That four-letter word, the bad one, and work. There's other ways I can still spend my time. I'm transparent with you. I'm real with you. I still... I still waste a lot of time. Not to say anything, but I, I don't even, when I'm here through the week, I don't even feel like I can function until I at least spend two hours in here praying. And still, Brother Bird, that's not enough. Because I still got time that I spend elsewhere that could be directed to him. So as your pastor, is there still some things in my life that I need to get in order? Yes. So will I work on that? If I want to see the presence of God like we read about in this word, then I've got to work on it. Because I want to be where his presence is. I want to be where his glory is. I want to be where he is. I want to be where that's. You say, Pastor, well, I've got it. You're blessed that and you can do that every day. Yes, I am blessed that I can do that, but I can guarantee you there's time in your day for God. A lot more than probably what you think. It takes work, 
And if we want to see the glory of God, because he said this move, this glory, will be greater than the former. If you want to experience that in your life, you've got to work. You've got to work if you can stick with me. truly experience the glory of God we'll want more we'll want more of his glory like I said hey guy his name means festival his dad's name his dad's name the one I'm probably messing all up Shiletel means I have asked God His granddad was Johaken. Not just not Jehozadak, but it was Johaken. He's not mentioned here, but his granddad, his name is Jehovah will establish. He got the king. He became king of Judah. That lasted only three months and ten days. And then he surrendered to Nebuchadnezzar, who took him into Babylon. And he was imprisoned for 36 years. Before he was finally released. So what does that have to do with anything? His name means Jehovah will establish. Can you imagine having a name that God, you're, you're going to establish it? And he surrendered to Nebuchadnezzar. Was put in prison for 36 years. How can you establish anything like that? God, where are you? Then he was released. And I'm pretty sure he probably named his son, the Shalatel, fell his son. His, his name means I asked God. So I'm pretty sure that he was, that come about of God, where, where are you? You've established me. You've, you've, I've, I've heard the prophets. So I asked God, where are you? That he has a son, this is Zerubbabel, which means sown in Babylon. His word, his name comes from two parts in the Hebrew. Zara, which means to flow away, and Babel, which is confusing. So Zerubbabel was sown in Babylon, but his name from two parts means to flow away from confusion. confused then 
else in here that God has spoken to your spirit and you want to see the glory of God. He convicted you while you were here that there's some things you need to lay down and start working. Cast it before him this morning.